It is so good to see each of you, and it has been such a privilege uh, to work with uh, both Jacob and Hannah and uh, later on uh, with Austin and Abby. What, what a great team. Uh, I was here, mo- I think I know most all of you, but we were here for almost eight years. We committed to five. We liked y'all so much, we stayed extra. <laughs> And we worked the last two years free. We loved you so much. That is not, that is not true. That is not true. The part we, about us loving you is true, but they did pay us. So, but, but what a great run this has been. When I first hired on, uh, I was working as a campus administrator here, administrative pastor. Uh, Kim McCusker was the administrator, but getting to work with Pastor Jacob what a phenomenal ride. Just a lot of fun, brother. Just uh, the impact. And I would like to say this. I like to have fun with the teams I'm working with, but uh, just getting the honor of working with you and just the stuff that has rubbed off uh, from you guys, the example that you guys have lived and, and getting the background of seeing you work through stuff for a year or two, sometimes three before you brought it to the congregation was also fun watching that. And, and then we, you know, we have had such a heart for Austin and Abby. Uh, we just, we had relationship built with them, spent so much time in their home before they ever moved to Sherman. We just knew that at some point in time, we were going to have a, an ongoing connection with them. And so we're so thrilled uh, at what's going on here. And I could, I could go to Antoinette. So many of you guys, man, just seeing what God's doing with you is such a huge privilege. And um, I just want you to know that we're blessed by this association. And I know you're blessed being here in the house, partaking of this good stuff. Uh, Lisa's just finished crying about us leaving Sherman, so it was safe to come back. We love you, and, and, uh, and uh, that's true. She has just finished weeping, which is, which, is, which is great. But we're enjoying being near Fort Worth where our kids and grandkids live, and, and that's been a huge blessing. Uh, and we got a new one, right, Cohen? Got a new one. Um, just had a new one about four weeks ago. We've got another one on the way. It'll be here in January. So we're in, we're in growth mode. The name of the new one is Cohen Mark. So Cohen Mark. So, yeah. So anyway, we digress. You know, the clock is running. So I've, I've, I've got to jump into And Lisa has pictures which she will show you. I'm surprised she hadn't changed her phone case because the phone case has always had the grandkids on it. So now we have to really collaborate. Um, let, let me jump into tonight and give you just a little bit of background. And we're going to be in Acts and we're going to be a few places, but I want to talk about the God factor, particularly the God factor where it comes to change. Uh, God does not need to change. He is perfect. Okay, the, the scripture says, I am the Lord, I change not. Uh, and if you read the rest of that in context, he was really kind of getting on to people. I don't change, that's why you ain't squashed like a bug. Okay, so his mercy is everlasting, right? But he doesn't change. If, you, if you're perfect, you don't have to change. Right, 
Okay, if you, if you change anything about perfection, then you're going backwards. So God's set. Okay, he's not, he's not making progress. He's helping you make progress. Okay, uh, he doesn't need to build anything in the sense that he's got a reputation to build or anything like that. So he's, he's set. Okay, we are, on the other hand, we, hopefully we're all in the process of changing. Okay. It's like I remember, uh, I remember my uh, uncle telling me the story because they, you know, they had a bunch of kids on my mom's side of the family. He told me one day that they were so poor that uh, my granddad came in and said, hey, I've got good news and bad news. They said, like, what's the, what the, what's the good news? Everybody gets to change underwear. It's like, awesome. Here's the bad news. Matt, you change it with Ray. <laughs> so everybody say change is good. Okay, change is my friend. I want, I, you need to leave here. We might, that might need to be our mantra. Our mantra is that change is my friend. Change is good. It, you, you, all growth requires change. You know that. All growth requires change, and change demands that you do something different or you do it differently. And I would also like to say that this kind of change that that marks growth and maturity isn't just change for a moment. It's changing who you are, how you think in an ongoing manner. That's the kind of change that brings maturity. Anybody can look good for five minutes. Y'all all look pretty good in here. But let me follow you to the restaurant and see if, you know, the hangries get on you and, and how you treat your wife, etc. We all need to change in some area. But, but a lot of people don't like change. Well, you, you have to change to grow. And then you've got people who say they love change, and it's basically a cover-up for inconsistency in their life. You can't be that either, okay? I, mean, I know it, it's, it's healthy to change, you know, locations and change where you eat. We're, we're in a society now that we can carry everything with us. I mean, your whole world right here. You can, you can travel across the country and look for Starbucks near me. Drink the same coffee, eat the same food, so you, you, you know, you spend thousands of dollars to go someplace else so you can do all the same stuff, watch the same, watch, watch Netflix, watch, you know, it's just like all the same even when we change. So I think, there, I think we need to make some breaks and really see some changes because if you, if you want to see reformation in the church, then something's going to change. I can guarantee you this, you will not be comfortable with it. Read the New Testament, particularly the Gospels. Wow, I didn't think I was going to say that. It's the God factor because I really want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit where it comes to change. Because if you're smart, you won't do it on willpower. You'll do it on God's power. But the, the road to God's will is paved with change. In other words, anytime you're going to step into God's will, it's going to require something change. Okay, I know we'd like it for everything to be the same, but stuff has to change. You know the hardest time for people to change is when things are going well. You know the hardest time for churches to change is when things are going well. Because why would we want to change anything? Well, you know, they're, they're, the bishop is an overseer. It means he sees over your head 
And if you knew what was coming, you would make the same changes. But because we don't see a lot of times what our leaders see, maybe we're not praying enough. I don't know. Maybe God just doesn't share everything with us. He doesn't share everything with me. He's tricky. I'm telling you, he, we, our God is a sneaky God. He doesn't tell you everything. And that's because he knows how we are about change. Because it's like, why would we change anything? Because things are going well. Well, it's because of whatever's coming. And sometimes it's not that something's coming that's bad. So I'm not getting, laying a, a, a scary prophetic word on you. I'm just saying he prepares us for what's ahead because the time to make shifts. Come on, you can wind a gear out so far. Any of you ever drive a stick shift? You can wind a gear out so far and then you need to shift and that eases the strain on that motor. And then you come into a curve and you downshift. And man, I'll tell you, something happens. That's, that's fun stuff. But the road to God's will is paved with change. Think about this. When Jesus told the disciples, come and follow me, that spelled change. Not everybody was willing to make that change. There was one young rich guy who was like, you know, I think I like my position, so I'm just going to stay where I am. And he went away sad because he had a lot of possessions that really possessed him. So Jesus asked a lot of people to come and follow him that didn't, that didn't go with him. Anytime he's saying, come and follow me, that spells change. You know, the word repent means to change your mind and to think differently. Saul on the road to Damascus. I think that's, that's a great New Testament example of repentance, of changing the way you think. I mean, we usually think of repentance as feeling bad for something we're doing wrong, we're sinning. But think about this. Saul thought he was doing the will of God by killing and imprisoning Christians. He thought he was pleasing the father. Repentance for him was not just stop killing people. It was to change the whole manner and the way you think. So it's like, it's like, it's not repentance. Repentance is not just about you stopping doing some bad thing. It's about the thought process that changes over to a place where it just doesn't even allow that possibility. You just can't see yourself doing that. You just can't see where that's smart. You just don't see that that's even going to ever happen. And, and I'm not saying you get to a place where you won't stumble, you won't sin. I'm just saying your mind, your thought process, it's like, why would I ever do that? And you say, well, I'm, I'm knee deep in something. I'm stuck in something. I can guarantee you this. The more steps you take away and the longer you stay away from that, you will get to a place where you, that you, you just know that's not me. I, that is not me anymore. I don't, I don't even relate to that. Come on, get a witness. I've got some people smiling in here. Come on. Renewing the mind. You ever hear about that? Well, you need to get in the word and you need to renew your mind. That's a process of changing how you think. The word changes how you think. Now, let me give you real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I had to renew my mind concerning certain things. I had to repent concerning certain things. One of those was receiving a prayer language. Okay, I grew up, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church and everybody I thought spoke in tongues, except I couldn't quite get on that. You know what I'm saying? Anybody here? Uh, you were a hard, I was a hard case. 
Okay? It was just like, I'm not, I don't get it. It's probably too cerebral, I know. Okay, I get you're laying hands on me. I get what you're saying, but I'm not getting it because it's just nothing's coming, right? I had to renew my mind to understand that I actually had to start by faith and I had to believe God. I had to actually open my mouth and, and, and speak something. It never crossed my mind until like after I'd been, you know, lay down, sit down, stand up, raise your hand. I mean, I did the whole thing and it just never, and there was just one day the preacher made an altar call for that. And I thought, you know what? This is what the word says. This is what I believe. I believe I have received. I'm going down there and speaking in tongues. Well, when I got down there, what, what was different this time, I actually opened my mouth and said something. And I, to tell you the truth, I don't know if that first thing I said was him or not, but it, something kicked in. I had to, I had to repent. I had to renew my mind. I had to change what I was thinking. Uh, I, I had to change at one point in time to understand that my words were seeds and that the life I was living was a harvest over what I was speaking and what I was saying. Cause I was saying stuff that was contrary to God's word and not even really realizing it or checking it. And I learned that, you know what? I have to take the word of God in every negative thing in my life, everything that I need to see change. I had to begin to contradict what I thought and what I said if it didn't line up with what God said. Because I want my tomorrow to be even better, even more blessed. So people used to laugh at me. I used to lead morning prayer, you know, and morning prayer was a big deal. I, I led morning prayer for years. And people would laugh at me because I made this, I made this confession. Like I'm in my 20s and early 30s, right? And I would say I can do the work of a young person regardless of my chronological age. And they would laugh at me. But I can guarantee you this, I'll never have to have one of those chairs that you hit the eject button on. Anyway, now don't feel condemned if you have to have one of those, but I could help you out. My words were seeds. Now, here's another one that I really had to, I, I had to struggle with this. I had to renew my mind. I had to repent. I had to change the way I thought. I had, I had to come to the realization that my healing was not dependent on a lack of symptoms, but on the finished work of the cross. See, some of, some of us, including me, I was waiting for God to do something when the fact is he'd already done it. And my healing was based on what Jesus did at the cross and my identification with him. So even if, even if my back was hurting me, even if I had, oh man, I used to get sick. I used to get sick a lot. I'd be like out of school for a week, two weeks. I mean, if it was, if it was out there at, at that point when I was a kid, we had it. But there came a point in time when I realized I had to believe in the finished work of the cross, regardless of what was going on in my body, that my, my words or my confession did not change based on what was going on in my body. And I don't have answers for everything and why, why things didn't work out for somebody that was believing God. I can just tell you there came a point in time when our neighbor wanted to know why is it that my kids are always sick and your kids don't get sick. Well, the fact was they did get sick, but Miss Lisa had a big old bottle of olive oil. And it's just like, <laughs> I, I know, I cast you out. Yep. 
But to our neighbors, it looked like your kids never got sick. You got, let me tell you, you got to watch teaching your stuff to your kids. Because one night when our daughter was really little, Lisa walks in, she's listening to the prayers, and she's, Gracie's asking for a dog. And Lisa turns around and walks out the room saying, oh my Lord, we're getting a dog. Her birthday was like four days later, and here comes a lady from the church with a Dalmatian. This was, like, this was like when 101 was like a big thing. With a big red bow. On her birthday. She shows up on her birthday with the dog. I'm telling you, this stuff works. And it's like there's no kid faith. There's no kid Holy Ghost. It's just like you're a believer whether you're, whether you're three or whether you're 30. This stuff works. You guys doing okay up there? All right. This one was the most difficult thing in the world for me, was the tithe. I'm just waiting to see if anybody's picking up their purse. It was, this was tough for me. Uh, I would try and start and stop and feel so condemned about, about everything. I, here's, here's my revelation. The tithe was more about what I believed than about my income. It was my belief in the goodness of God, in his ability to take care of me, uh, in, in me not being totally flesh-minded, and listening to, the, listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit where it came to money. You know, because a lot of times when, when we're young, a lot of times we're selfish. And we can't see past our own desires and our own needs. And that's right where I was. But I had to understand that for me to obey God in that would open something in my heart that would affect every other part of my life. And for me to fear lack if I was obeying him, whether it's tithing or giving, was it an indication of something that was going on in my heart and my relationship with him? See, that was a reflection of me. It wasn't a reflection of God. And I had to, I had to have a revelation and I had to repent and just say, you know what? If you said it, I'm going to do it. And I, I will say this. I don't believe we're finished increasing yet. I've got ideas, I've got dreams, I've got visions, but I can tell you this, from the very day I started tithing, my life started to change. And I would like to say, we's blessed. And that blessed is better than poor. God still loves you. He loved me. But man, there was a revelation. As soon as I repented... I moved from have to to get to. And I've still got room to grow in this. Uh, it is a, it's a goal to be generous. It's a goal to make major impact for the kingdom of God. And the good news is the Holy Spirit makes supernatural change possible. I don't have to just do this on my own. There's supernatural change that's possible. And I want to give you, I'll, I'll read through this quickly. Uh, 
But I want to show you from two portions of Scripture, from John and then from Acts, the contrast between what happened with the disciples, the change that was made in their lives when the Holy Spirit entered the scene. So this is, like we've got a situation going on. This is after the crucifixion. Jesus is appearing to the, to the 12 in John chapter 20. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, watch this, for fear of the Jews. Why were they assembled together? It's for fear. They, want, they said, I, I'm, I'm imagining that they said, you know what, if they kill Jesus, there's a good chance they're after us next because we were there all the time with Jesus. And I wonder if there was a little bickering going on with the, with the disciples, you know, where it's like, well, you two wanted to sit on his right and his left hand. Why don't you go out and be the spokesman? No, you go. No, you go. They're hiding. And probably for good reason. Okay. In the, in the carnal sense. So Jesus comes and stands in the midst of them. And says, peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he shows him his hands and his side. And watch the word, next word, then. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So I'm wondering if all this, there's chaos going on maybe in the room. Okay, this is a dramatization, I know. But what if they're like all freaking out about the mob that's outside And what if Jesus comes in and his tone is more like, peace, y'all, hush. Thank you. Because the word then signifies something shifted and then the disciples saw Jesus, then they were glad. Then Jesus said to them again, peace. Be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So you know what? If, if you're in a turmoil, if there's constant chaos around you, maybe the first thing that has to happen is that spiritually speaking, you know, the Holy Spirit needs to kind of grab you by the lapel and give you a little, <laughs> little wake-up call, you know, and get you to settle down because there might be some invitations. There might be a calling. The, 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 the Greek word that's translated calling, calling a lot of places in the New Testament means invitation. Because I know a lot of people who are called that didn't accept the invite. But they'll tell you about how it's prophesied that they're going to be this and they're going to be that and they're going to shake this and they're going to build that and tear this down and whatever. But they never do anything. You got to accept the call and accepting the call, come and follow me, always comes with change. Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so fast forward then to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. And we're going to see a contrast here. They were hiding for fear, basically. They were cowering. And then all of a sudden, they received the Holy Spirit. And now they're confronting the mob that they were afraid was going to kill them. Same people. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly. So Peter's laying it on them. He, he's, he's laying it on them. If we had time to read more, I mean, he just flat out said, you guys killed the Messiah. I mean, he is, he's rough with them. 
And he says, let Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus who you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. So I want you to notice something here. This is not, nothing he said would make me necessarily want to repent. But when the Holy Spirit gets involved, not only do you change and go from cowering to confronting, from weakness to boldness, but the, the effect of what you do for him begins to change. And then watch this, people begin to change. When the Holy Spirit changed them, their ministry, their words begin to change other people. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, change the way you thinking. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit makes supernatural change possible. And really all that's required in that is that you hear him and if necessary, change the way you're thinking and simply obey. I mean, that's all that's required because the change that takes place on the inside and that's where true change takes place is affected by your union with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Amplified, puts it this way. Repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves. Man, when the Holy Spirit shows up, people need to change. They go to changing. He'll affect more change through his gentle voice in your heart than a hundred years of condemning preaching. He'll do more in your heart in a moment than any coaxing or coercing could do. Now, let's go quickly through this. There is some assembly required. That's my cute way to say it. That's my cute way of saying this. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, verse one, they were all in one Come on, you Pentecostal charismatic people. They're all in one place in one accord. They were in one place. So some assembly is required. Have you ever, you know, maybe at Christmas you're putting together toys for your kids or, you know, if you follow, if you, if you're following me on Instagram, I've been putting together a lot of like chairs and I've got these two chair kits, right? And, and I can't wait to open the box on those because just to read the translation, you know, from Chinese to whatever it is that they're translating to. But the thing I'm always concerned about is because I bought them before we left here is like, will everything be in the box? Okay. So my daughter picked up at one of these chairs. It's an Adirondack. Did I say that right? And it's a rocker, but it was like in pieces. So she's like, dad, I brought this. I thought you could fix it up. And literally the thing was in pieces. So she picked up uh, like the parts, the screws and the little threaded inserts. And it sat in my shop for months. And the, and the, little, the little screws and stuff were like in, in a cup holder in my truck. 
And I'd look at it and think, there is no way she got all that. Well, the thing that was holding me up from fixing it was because I, I had to actually assemble it to even see if I had all the parts. Well, there's apparently something about assembling together in the corporate thing that like you bring the Holy Spirit with you. The preacher hopefully brings the Holy Spirit with him. Yes, the preacher brings the Holy Spirit with him. And, and when that happens, something happens. So his presence makes a difference. Your presence makes a difference. The church's presence makes a difference because there's cooperation. It's you obeying the Holy Spirit. We're changing not just on the inside. We're changing the church. And hopefully we will change our cities. It's the corporate presence. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The word assembling there, if you look it up, it literally means a complete set. So there's something about like when you guys are all here, it, there, there's a complete set. I hope nobody's missing. And, and I would just say this. I don't remember which one is like the live camera, which one like for future use. That's what I thought. We love you if you're still at home because of the whole COVID thing. We want you to come back as soon as you're comfortable. As there's no condemnation in what I'm saying. But I also know this presence makes a difference. Sometimes you need to be in the room. Sometimes you need to know you have all the parts collected. It's like a Zoom call is okay. You know, my doctor visit, it, it might be okay online to do that. But you know what? I don't want him phoning it in uh, if I need, if I need something major going on, you know what I'm saying? If you need, if you need to have your gallbladder removed, you don't want him calling and say, we're going to take care of this on zoom, but I'm sending you a package with all the instruments. They're sterile. So watch out how you handle them. And I'll be, I'll talk you through all the way. No, it's, it's, it's good to a point, but it's just like, there's something Ephesians chapter four talks about that, which every joint supplies. You know what a joint is, don't you? That's where two members come together. Every joint in this house is supplying something. So the road to the will of God is paved with change. The Holy Spirit makes supernatural change possible. And watch this, number three, the only way you can remain in the will of God is to continue to change. Amen. Amen. Numbers chapter nine, verse 22. I'm just gonna pull one verse out. There's so much in this chapter that is meaningful to me. But this is, this is a story where, you know, the children of Israel have come out of bondage in Egypt and now they're, they're traveling through the wilderness and God had a way to lead them that was like they could see it. And that was by a cloud and a, a pillar of fire by night would come and it rest over the tabernacle. Okay, well, as long as that cloud was there and that pillar of fire stayed, they stayed encamped. But when it moved, they moved. So watch Numbers 9.22, whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel remained camped and did not set out. But when it lifted, they did set out. So you get this picture? 
You know, we get, we get comfortable. Man, I'll tell you, we have done stuff in this move. When God told us it was time to move back to the Fort Worth area, we did a lot of stuff that was really uncomfortable. We, we thought, God, timing-wise, are you kidding me? And then we determined to build a house. And man, then I found out what was so urgent about our timing. It just, it just pays to move when the cloud moves. But can you imagine these guys not knowing if it was going to be like two days or a year? Because I, I would approach my campsite differently if I knew I was going to be there for a year. I might choose it differently. Location, 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 right? But they didn't know. And I think this is such a great illustration of the New Testament believer being led by the Holy Spirit that, you know what, unless he tells you, you don't know. But I do know this, for us to stay in the will of God means we have to change. And sometimes we have to change before we see the need to change. That's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He's not limited like we are to what we can see, touch, taste. He's all knowing. So if I trust him, I'll renew my mind to what he's saying. And if I need to, I'll change the way I'm thinking. I'll change my direction. But these people never knew. But when the cloud lifted, they knew they needed to go with God. Amen. So the word, the word change, I want to throw this at you because maybe you don't like the word change. Well, then what about shift? Maybe you may need to make a shift in your life. Maybe you just need to adjust something. Adapt. There's a whole lot of people in marriage that balk at the word submit But one of the translations I've read is you just need to adapt. Maybe you need to revamp. Maybe you need to recalibrate. But whatever it is, it means doing something different. Now, I don't have a word for you about what changes may be coming nationally, internationally, even even with this corporate body. But I do know this, that if we'll make the shifts... At the appropriate time, we'll be right up to speed with whatever it is that God wants to do. Here's one word to those who are resistant or reluctant. Excuse me. You're reluctant to change. I learned to pray this a long time ago because there have been some things that he's asked me to, to do and to change that I was like, no. I don't want to change that. You know, you might translate that, but that's basically what it was. But I learned to pray this because it's truly my heart. I may not be willing, but I'm willing to be willing if you'll help me. I'm willing to be willing. Are you willing to be willing? I think that's, that may be, that may be the, the landing spot right there. Just willing to be willing. Are you willing are you willing to, to take what 
maybe is your comfort zone and you're so tied up in this group of people and that thing and this activity. Are you willing really to say, you know what? Here it is. I'm, I'm willing to be willing to let you put your hand on anything that I have. Because that, that truly is one of the greatest breakthroughs you'll ever have as a believer is if you'll hold on, not like this anymore, but truly where the Lord is concerned, it's like you keep everything like that right there. And then change isn't as painful. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but it isn't as painful to know, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. You help me with that. Lord, I thank you for this people. I thank you for the impact that they've had on our lives and the continued relationship we have with these pastors, this staff, the team, and this body. We thank you, Father God, that your continued blessing be upon this house. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you.